So this is week number nine in our series where we're looking at Christian foundations. Some things the, the, the Bible describes as foundational that maybe you wouldn't. There's a lot of very surprising things mentioned under the category, if you like, of foundations in Scripture, like the laying on of hands in Hebrews 6. Scripture says that's a foundation. That's a foundational truth. Look at me a minute. Do you know why? Because many gifts are imparted through the laying on of hands. And maybe you lack things in your life because you never understood that or respected it. And I, very early on in my life, I sought out key people that I wanted their hands on my head because I recognized lack within myself and, 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 and saw in here that that was a biblical route through which things could either be imparted or stirred up. So we need to get the Bible's grip on what foundations are. Today's another one, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. 13, 13. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. All three of those are obviously foundational Christian truths. Faith we've looked at extensively in previous weeks. Love we look at all the time. But today we're going to look at hope. I thank God that very early on in my Christian life, God sorted this issue out in me. I had been saved maybe about one and a half years or something like that. And if you had asked me, what do you think about hope? <laughs> do you know what I would have said to you? Um, I don't really care about hope. I don't need hope. What do I need hope for? Everything's all right. My life's dandy, thank you. I didn't understand hope. I didn't know how it worked. But you know what, folks? Hope is crucially important in the Christian life. Very important to God, even if we don't understand. And by the end of today, I, I, I hope that you grasp that. All the attributes that God has, whether it's love or grace or patience or faith, are to be replicated in us, right? And that can be a very painful process. Now, the way in which God replicates those attributes in us most of us would understand most of them. If I ask you, if I ask Jim Tran here, for instance, how, does, how has God created patience in you? He would say, Susan. <laughs> Through Susan. Praise the Lord. Just a joke. If I asked the husbands, they would say their wives. If I asked the wives, they would say their husbands. You would have no difficulty in understanding how God creates patience. If I asked you, how has God grown your faith? No problem. You would tell me about some event, something that happened in your life. You understand how it came to you, how it grew in you. But the problem is the next one, <laughs> hope. If I ask people, how does God create hope? Either people don't know or don't understand the process. And therein lies the rub. Therein lies the problem, because that fact is the source of an enormous amount of pain to Christians. Listen real careful a minute. If I gave every one of you a piece of paper, and I asked you to write on it the thing about life that you just don't understand, and I gathered up all those bits of paper and I held them up in a bag here, do you know what that bag would represent? The way God, most of it anyway, the way God brings about hope in our lives. And again, you'll see that, I hope, by the end 
of this. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 24. Let me show you something. Ezekiel chapter 24 and verse 15. Ezekiel 24 and verse 15. I'll read this and then I'll explain what's going on. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, with one blow I am about to take away from you the delight of your eyes. Yet do not lament or weep or shed any tears. Groan quietly. Do not mourn for the dead. Keep your turban fastened and your sandals on your feet. Do not cover the lower part of your face or eat the customary food of mourners. So I spoke to the people in the morning and in the evening my wife died. The next morning I did as I had been commanded. Then the people asked me, won't you tell us what these things have to do with us? So I said to them, the word of the Lord came to me, say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am about to desecrate my sanctuary, the stronghold in which you take pride, the delight of your eyes, the object of your affections. In one day, in fact, you can read on there, God says in one day, he is about to demolish the walls of Jerusalem, invade Jerusalem, and in the same day, Ezekiel's wife is going to die. Now, let me explain what's happening here. Look at me a moment. Hope may never have been important to you, but it needs to be because it's important to God. And the way in which God brings hope into your life can be extremely painful. It was for me. It was the first big lesson of my Christian life. It was the first real pain in my life was the development of hope. And when you're going through things, you know, you sometimes think, God, this must be really important because right now I'm suffering. So there must be something really, really important going on because I can't understand this. In fact, folks, I would go as far as to say it would have been the lowest day of my life I was in a bad, I was born again, but not for long, but a year and a half. And I, I was down, I'm a jolly sort of person, I'm okay, you know, my disposition is fine, I don't get up or, up or down. But I was down, well down. And I went home, I got my Bible, I remember sitting on my bed and I said, God, I need you to explain what's happening to me. Why do I feel like this? This is not me. Help me. And I did something that I'm not advising you to do. I said, God, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to start reading. Please help me out of this. I opened my Bible and I started reading what we just read. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. But as I read it, thank God, he was communicating to me the trauma that I was going through. Listen, I had false hopes. I had things, I had dreams, plans that did not originate in God. And I did not want to let them go. You see, the creation of a proper hope in me was crucial, if you like, for God to use anyone. The creation of a good and godly hope is crucial. But step one in that process, step one in your notes this morning, is the removal of false hopes. The removal of ungodly hopes plans, dreams, desires that you have in your heart. One of the first things God will have to do is that. And then you understand what was happening, Ezekiel. Look, folks, Ezekiel here, he's a good guy, he's a prophet, but guess what? He's got married, 
And his, his life is now all tied up in this woman. Oh, she is the delight of his eyes. Seems like a distraction to me. She's become a distraction to him. And at the same time, you've got the city of Jerusalem with its great high walls. And God looks at his prophet, he looks at the city, and he goes, hmm, your hope is in your wife, and their hope is in their walls. And no one's giving me any attention here, and that's not safe for you. So God says, in one day, Ezekiel, I'm going to take your wife from you. She's going to die. He warns him, he tells him, and then it happens. And in the same day, Jerusalem will be invaded, and they will begin to demolish the walls of that city. So your false hopes, if you like, will begin to crumble. These are severe lessons, hard, hard lessons. Folks, listen to me. In this room this morning are many, many, many false hopes. Hopes that did not come from God, dreams that God did not give you, plans that you did not get in prayer, but things that you conjured up yourself, and they are the ones that hurt and disappoint. And they are the things that God comes after to remove, the removal of false hopes. That's where hope, real hope, begins. So what's a false hope? Well, some people put their hope in health. Well, I'm so strong, you know, I'm fit, I'm running a mile a day, two miles a day, I can do a hundred press-ups. You know, especially in the last sort of 20, 30 years, there's been a real buzz around that. But you can ask a few members here how much hope you can have in your health. <laughs> Some of our members could really teach you a lesson on that one. Because you never know quite what's around the next corner. Some people put their hope in wealth. One guy, you know, there was a crash on the stock market. He lost, I think it was 22 million or something. And he went into a skyscraper and he threw himself out of the window. Killed himself. And I remember reading the, 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 the story about his life. He lost something like 22 million. But listen, he had 11 million left. <laughs> Hope, you see. His world, the thing that he had treasured, the thing that he had hoped in, he couldn't cope with 11 million. Anybody here cope with 11 million? Amen. Isn't it weird how much investment people can put in this life? You can't have a hope in your health to that degree. Hope in God, amen. Not in your physical well-being. In God who is your health. Not in your wealth, because that's very, very dangerous. Dodgy footing. Not in your profession. One guy joined our church, not this church, another church, years ago. And he was quite cocky, doing extremely well. He's actually a plumber in the days when there wasn't enough plumbers, you know, in the middle of a building boom. And he was making an absolute fortune. So independent, so strong. And he went through that phase of his life. And I remember I didn't see this guy for years and I met him at a conference, and I said, hiya. But now he was all depressed, down, sad. I said, what's up, man? All fell apart. Well, what fell apart? Yeah, I remember you were doing so well. Huh. EU came in. They changed the pipes. The pipes are plastic now, not copper. I'm not qualified. And just like that, boom. The bottom fell out of the market. I can't, they wouldn't even let him train because there was a waiting list for training in EU whatever law and stuff. So he was actually stuck. You can't put your hope in your profession. 
because professions change so quickly, very quickly. But people do put their hope in these things. You can't put your hope in your own self-righteousness. Praise God, that's how I got saved. Coming from a religious background, I believed I was good enough. It's all right, isn't it? I'm not that bad. And I thank God that, that, that a guy called Richard Levy came and, and, and worked with me for a little while and explained to me, your righteousness is not going to get you into heaven, mate. You need to repent like everybody else. But that was a false hope for me. And some of you have got your hopes set on things that, you know, they didn't come from God. Now you could say, well, well you know, I'm not like that. People are not like that. They are like that. Have you ever seen Pop Idol? Or X Factor? Do you think it was God that told those people to sing or dance? Do you know, Illuminate, I think we should send you on X Factor. Hallelujah. Yeah. You could do searching for Jesus. Amen. Gordon, do you want to go with him? Praise the Lord. Maybe not. Have you seen those guys? Those guys go on there and they get up, you know. I won't do it. <laughs> but you've seen it. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. I'm a singer. You're a what? How, hope? I've got hopes to be some sort of, you know, goodness knows. It's unbelievable. But I tell you, in the church, it's not much different. People have all sorts of dreams, all sorts of plans. And they are often the things that torture people. God's dreams won't. God's hopes will never disappoint you. They get fulfilled. They're called a tree of life in the Bible. It's your false hopes. These are the things that can torment people. I mean, what? So health, wealth, your profession, self-righteousness, some deluded idea that you have about yourself, and certainly ministries. You know, you need other people to tell you what ministry you've got. You know that? You really do. I was counting yesterday, and I reckon it's about 14 years or so since I made any decision for myself in ministry. All the decisions have been made by my superiors. Every one. I haven't done anything. I've made suggestions, but I've made no decisions. I've been led. I've been told what to do. Because I prefer it if other people tell me who I am tell me what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. It's not so good when I'm telling them. Bible says, don't blow your own trumpet, right? Because you might be deluded. You might be completely and utterly wrong, like one of those guys on X Factor, right? You don't want to be one of those now, do you? Amen? I think we might have a few here. Never mind. <laughs> you don't want to be one of those. So other people need to tell you who you are. Otherwise, you're going to be it's never, you're never going to get satisfied in life in the way the Bible speaks about it. Remember the word God gave me in, in Dublin years ago. Great word. Fantastic. He said to me, contentment is your starting place, not your goal. Contentment is the starting place, not the goal. And the way you can tell false hopes very often is, is people think in their head, oh, when I get this, do that, become this, then I'm going to be happy. But that's not right, because contentment is the starting place, not the goal in life. 
No, that's, these are the false hopes. I need to get a good disposition within me towards God, a relationship with God that I stand in and, and listen to what He has to say, the dreams He gives me. If you look at Proverbs, actually, excuse me, I've forgotten which one. Proverbs chapter 13. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. It says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. False hopes, basically, will make your heart sick. You see all those things I've just mentioned? People get sick. People get sick. Their heart gets sick. They get sad in life because they're not achieving or being or becoming something they have thought up in their mind. It's a false hope. Hope deferred makes people sick, makes the heart sick. But God's hopes, well, they lead to a, a tree of life, as it's called there. So the first thing I would counsel you, warn you about, is what are you hoping in this morning that didn't, you didn't get from God? Be very careful of those things, because they can mess up your life, mess up your focus, and they can torment you for many years unnecessarily. The second thing I would say that God way in which God brings hope about in us, which is such an important thing, is at times of irretrievable losses in life. What's that? What's an irretrievable loss? An irretrievable loss is, is losing something that you can never get back. My father just died there not long ago. And you're standing there, you know, you grieve. You grieve because he's never coming back. I won't see him again for a long time until I die. And then I will see him. So it, it's something I've lost for this present life. And that's a sad thing. But hope gets created at those times. The second thing an irretrievable loss is, is when you don't get something that you really thought you were going to get. You were really expecting something or had your hope set on something and it just didn't happen. That's an irretrievable loss. And that can be a great grief, you know. A very serious grief. Other things that are irretrievable in life are age. We're all getting older, you know what? <laughs> Who more gray hairs? There's more gray hairs than black hairs. Can't stop the clock. I could get some dye, I suppose. I could dye it, maybe. <laughs> you can't stop the clock. Your hair's going to fall out. Your teeth are going to fall out. Your arms might drop off, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to get older just like everybody else. And for some people, that's hard to face. Your beauty will fade. Not so difficult for men. In fact, many men get better with age. Who laughed then? <laughs> many men get better looking with age. Amen, men. <laughs> but it's the women who have the problem. <laughs> Your beauty, if that's something that's important to you, okay, fine. But you can start to, you know, it can really bother you when that is an irretrievable loss. Something you have to come to terms with that you're never going to get back. Or redundancy if you lose your job. Or ministries. You go through phases in ministry, you know. I couldn't think of anything worse than being in the same ministry for all your life. I mean, that's most likely a death trap. You need to grow up. You need to move on and do different things in life. Amen? Nothing makes a church more still than people just getting stuck in a rut. That's not what it's about. You need to try different things. 
but moving on in ministry is, is, is absolutely heart-rending. It, it, it's a crucifixion. When I had to step back from the church in Dublin, it nearly killed me to do that. But I understand you've got to move on in ministry. Ministries don't stay the same. This church is growing enormously fast. And I don't know how I'll cope with the future. I don't know. Because you see, we'll grow. I know we will. I can feel it. But the pastor who pastors a church of 1,500 or 2,500, what's he like? Am I like him? Am I that sort of person? The pastor who pastors a church of 3,500 people, what does he do at 5 o'clock in the morning, I wonder? Probably gets up with his wife, because if you can't lead your home, you're certainly not going to lead the church. Amen. Probably gets up with his wife and will spend. Am I doing that? Am I actually growing to be the person that God calling me to be? Because if not, then I- I'm going to end up being put aside. And that's perfectly okay. Now, I might be put aside to do other things. But you see, churches change. And the person who leads the Sunday school in a church of 50 is a completely different individual from the person who leads the Sunday school in a church of 300. Completely different. Different skills, different abilities. And so it is for all of us. You need to grow up and grow through the changes and accept new challenges and grow into them. Now, you can grow with your church. There's no need to step back from anything. If that's God's will for you, you can grow with your church. So the same person who led worship today, if you keep changing and you keep submitting and you keep honoring, you can go on to any, there's an endless destination with God. Or God may have a different plan. It's not right or wrong. I'm just saying. Be open and be flexible for changes in life because therein is life. Great life, a buzz in life, excitement in life. I was traveling with Ray Belfield, who's 80 now. He's one of our overseers here. In fact, we were driving to Glasgow about seven or eight years ago up from Liverpool. And when we were driving, Ray said something I've never forgotten. He led the biggest church in Britain at one point. It was in Manchester in the 1950s. And an anointing came upon Ray for a time. It was anointing for healing. So, blind saw, the deaf heard, cripples walked, and all of a sudden the BBC, ITV, they're outside the church, the vans are there, the cameras are there. Front page coverage across the UK. On the news was his church. And he was telling me about it and how exciting it was, and that produced the biggest church then in the UK. And he was sharing it with me, but it's what he said next that really stuck with me. He said, do you know what, Mike? I don't do that now. Now I chauffeur guys like you around and put you in your place. I mean in your place, (laughs) Glasgow. And put you in your place. That's what I do. Those days are gone. And I have had to learn. This is what he said. I have had to learn to not try and live up to my past successes and to actually keep moving in life and to obey the instructions of the church to me. The church don't want me to do that now. They want me to do this. So this is what I do. Very good. Very good. Very good discipleship in that car. 
very helpful to me. Good instruction. So things do change. And leaving, leaving ministries or moving on from ministry to ministry or job to job or city to city as some of you are doing this week, it's a painful thing. It's an absolute grief, guys. But we have to go through it. And this is how we grow. You may go through the irretrievable loss of wasted years. If you get saved later in life, I've sat with people just like that who weep for the decades that they spent lost. They get saved at 60, 70, and they think, oh God, all those years. And it's a grief they have to go through. Just accepting losses is a big deal. Just being willing to accept that some things you're not going to get back, and some people can't cope with that. You know, God does not get everything his own way. He wanted Israel to turn from their sin and be saved. Did they? No. So if he couldn't turn them, you see, there's a thing called free will. And Israel used their will against God, and so they were cut off. And so it is with the, the, the mesh of our lives. Sometimes things just don't go the way that we hoped they would. Sometimes that's a fact, and you have to accept it. I, I, a lady joined our church many years ago. She came in, and she said, Can I talk to you? I want to meet you sometime. I said, Fine. I, I, I met the lady, and we sat down together, and she said, My husband left me about 15 years ago, but we're believing he's coming back. And this prayer group's praying, and that prayer group's praying, and we've had this word, and that word, and this thing, and that thing. Uh-huh. And she talked and talked, and inside my gut, you know, you just get that gut feeling. I said, you know, do you mind if I just share something with you? I don't think your husband's coming back. I said, what? In fact, she didn't even speak. She just went stone silent, completely silent, as all those false hopes melted away. And I could feel her reach for judgment, you know, but she didn't take it. So easy to say, what sort of pastor are you? Haven't you got faith? Haven't you got that? No, he's got free will. That's what you don't understand. He's got free will. And he's been gone. Where did he go? Well, he he went to France. And what happened? He moved in with a, a girl half his age. And he's been with her for 15 years. He's not coming back. And I think you need to let it go. Now, in other cases, I would be very happy to stand in faith if I believed that that was the case. I'm just giving you one example, one instance where I don't believe that was the case. And I felt to counsel that lady that way. She stayed with us, actually. You know what she needed to do? Move on. She needed to move on. Because I think it was a false hope. And those things will absolutely wear you out in life. Some things are tough to hear. Ezekiel, in the morning, your wife's going to die. It's a tough thing to hear. Wow. But it's obviously important to God, you see. Look at this a minute. Here's Ezekiel, and his head should be looking at God. His hope should be in heaven, but it isn't. His hope is in his wife. Here's Jerusalem. They've got the same problem. Their hope is in their great walls. What does God do? God wants Ezekiel's head, wants Ezekiel's eyes, not that his wife would be the delight of his eyes, but that God would be the delight of his eyes, and then you can have your wife no problem. There's just a little bit of an order problem going on here. 
So I need to get you an order, Ezekiel. So I need you, instead of looking here, I need you to look up there. How's God going to do that? Take the wife and place her in heaven. And all of a sudden, Ezekiel, all of a sudden, Ezekiel's eyes are up, his heart is up where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God has got his ways of getting your attention. Sadly, often it causes, it, 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 it seems to be a lot of pain that people have to go through before they will give God the attention he's due. Same for Israel. God had to, you know, flatten their walls, invade their city. Remember our circle. Grace, faithfulness, judgment, repentance. The only one in those four that people cry out to God in is the judgment. That's why it's there. It's the only one, sadly, that actually causes people to turn and cry out. They got judged, they got invaded, and they cried out to God. Oh, why didn't you just cry out to God anyway? Why did it have to take you to be invaded? And so Ezekiel, this is the hard road, Ezekiel. This is a hard route to have to take just to get some hope into you, but obviously God had to do it. And he did it. Israel still didn't learn their lesson, by the way. And you could ask the question, wasn't Ezekiel mad? Wasn't Ezekiel mad at God? And you can read the book, he wasn't. He completely obeyed God. And Ezekiel wasn't mad for one reason. He understood. He understood how important it was for hope in his life. I'm sure he felt repentant and thought, God, here I am. I'm a prophet. I'm supposed to guide these people to follow you, and I myself, my eyes are in the world. I am not looking after you. I don't blame you, God. Go on. Take her, Lord, and I will guide them to follow you. And that's what he did. That's exactly what he did. Shame, it has to be such a hard route, but that's the route he came. Hope is important, very, very important. When I, I had a very good father, and when I grew up, my father used to give us pocket money every week, every Friday. You would get like 20 pence, you know, it was a long time ago. And he would give you 20, but he'd like take three or four pence back. He would give it to you and take it back. And we used to have a calendar on the wall with our names. And on that list would be my 2P, then 4P, then 10P, then... The hardest thing about that was having it and then having to give it back. You just didn't want to give it back. What are you doing, Daddy? Why did you give it to me in the first place if you're going to take it off me? Because I need you to learn something, boy. I need you to learn something. Right? Sometimes an irretrievable loss is actually what you need. You need to have a heavenly mind. You need to have, the Bible talks about it in many places, You need to have a heavenly hope. We'll come to that in a moment. But pay attention here, one moment. Listen carefully. Let me just take an example. Let's let's say that you want to get married. You're single. And you want to get married. And let's just say, for example, that you come to the conclusion you're not going to. Let's say today something happens. Some sort of peace comes over you. And you say to yourself, you know what? I actually think 
in my case, that I'm never going to get married. Do you know what I think you should do? Go home. Go into your bedroom. Close the door. And cry. And cry and cry and grieve for the loss. And then get up. Have a shower. Get your armor on and get on with the rest of your life and enjoy it. There is a grief that you may need to go through, no matter what it is you may think you've lost. There is a grief. Now, grief comes from God. It's a blessing. It's a wonderful thing. But depression isn't. When my dad died, I used to dread my father dying. But when my father died, it wasn't even sad. My mother said she felt guilty for grieving because he had a good life, good life, a great life. But you know what? If you've ever, I don't, many of you will have already lost your parents, but if you've ever not understood where your spirit is, you'll find it when someone close dies. You'll find it. Because grief comes from deep within your, it's in your belly, you know, in your bowels, the Bible says. It is. Your spirit grieves. You find a part of you pouring out. It's beautiful. It's healing. Wonderful. Wonderful God. You know, you lose someone you love. It's an irretrievable loss. And you have to let it go. And it pours out of you. It's a spiritual thing. A wonderful thing. But it's not just the death of a loved one. There may have been dreams and plans and hopes that you had that will not be realized. And my advice to you today, don't carry it for the rest of your life. Don't, do you know what God said to Ezekiel? Do not mourn on and on, Ezekiel. Don't grieve over and over. He gave him very clear instructions. You're just about to go through a hard time. Now grieve and then get up and go. And that's what we need to do. You analyze your own life. You make your own, you know, find God in the quiet place, in the secret place, and get a good godly hope. That's the last point. How does God create hope in us? Well, he wants to create what we call a, a heavenly hope. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. Sadly, there is no English word for the Greek word for hope. There isn't one. We haven't got one. The best thing they can do is use the word hope. I don't know about you, but when I think of the word hope, I think if I say I'm hoping for something, it might not happen, right? Hope is maybe, maybe, perhaps, in English, but not in the Greek. In the Greek, hope is sure. In fact, Paul puts it like that. He says we have a sure hope. Hope is concrete. Hope is definite. Right? It's just hard to see it in English. So hope is that article, that definite article that we have in God that he's given us. And faith is the way we bring it into reality, into our lives. God's hopes are solid, true, and they last through, you know, tough times. They last, and you know that you've got them. These other hopes can be in our head, not in our spirit. And then if you're not careful, they can mess up your life. They can linger in you in a way that they're not supposed to. So there's a hard way and an easy way. 
I thank God that this lesson, God dealt with me very early on in my Christian life. He wanted me to understand this right at the beginning. We're going to get one thing clear. Your eyes are going to be here. You are going to focus on me. And I, I was very difficult, but very rewarding in the fullness of time. Many others have written books on this subject. I think of C.S. Lewis. There's a great book called Surprised by Joy and another one called A Grief Observed, where he talks about how God created hope in his life. Not that simple, is it? Not that simple, and it's certainly not painless. Why don't we sing? I have the worship team. Why don't we sing Draw Me Close to You? And as we do, you just think of your life and think of any ungodly hopes or any false hopes that you may be nurturing right now. And I want to ask you, are you willing to give them up? Are there things that you have got in your mind that never came from God that you may need to put down this morning? Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the opportunity. Ungodly and false hopes. Be willing today to give them up. Secondly, are there things that you're grieving over that maybe you need to grieve over? Fine. But don't go on and on. Move on. Depression's from the devil. Grief is from God. Jesus grieved, right? And lastly, develop. Develop that heavenly hope. You don't have to do everything the hard way, you know. That's why these guys go through this. So that we can learn from their mistakes and learn and, and glean. These things happen so that you would be taught, the Bible says, so you would see them. Let's stand. Let's close your eyes one moment. Let's close your eyes, bow your head just one second. I want you to take very seriously what we've just covered. Father, I pray for all the ungodly, false hopes in this place. Would you have mercy on us this morning and help us to surrender them to you? To let go of the things that we know we just created ourselves. Lord, if there's anything we're grieving for on and on and on, I pray you will give us the grace this morning to let it go, whatever it might be. And God, as we go to leave this place, would you give us a heavenly hope? Lift our eyes up to the hills where our help comes from. It comes from the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv. And there you will find many ways that you can join up. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you. And once again, thank you for listening.